Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today we're going to talk about H.R. 5, another bill sitting in our great Senate, also known as the Equality Act, and we're going to ask the question, is it about equality? Let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around because we're going to laugh and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Hey guys, okay, we're going to talk about a bill today that has already made its way through Congress. It has passed the House of Representatives already. It's called HR5. It is number five on priority list of our uh, Democratic-led House of Representatives, and it's also known as the Equality Act, which very similarly to H.R. 1, which is known as For the People Act, it is not equal. This act is not an equality act, and I'm going to break that down here in just a second. But before I move forward into this content and what I'm going to talk about here, I want to make a correction because in a couple podcasts ago, I believe it was my fourth podcast about homeschool, I talked about a verse in Proverbs grow them up in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it, right? And it was brought to my attention and I love this feedback, you guys. It's super helpful for me because like I've said a million times, I won't do this perfectly, that's for dang sure, but I will do it prayerfully (laughs) and I will do it consistently or do my best to do so. But it was brought to my attention that I used the word promise in that um, podcast. I talked about that as a promise, and I I did so because I know a lot of parents. I've actually had conversations with parents whose kids have kind of gone a little wayward and aren't currently walking with the Lord, that they they refer to that verse and they they believe in that verse as a promise. And so I just didn't even think twice about saying this is a promise with a contingency upon our action, right? That it's our job to raise them up in the way they should go. And then the promise is that then they will not depart from it, right? But you guys, this isn't a promise. Proverbs is a wisdom book. This is wisdom, right? This is um, not a promise and not even a command, but it's it's a recommendation. It's wisdom. And so that actually, at first I was like, oh man, thank you for that clarification. You're totally right. Didn't even think twice about that. It isn't a promise, you guys. So even if we do the, you know, take them to church and tell them about Jesus and those check those boxes, we still don't have the promise that they're going to follow the Lord, right? We still, we don't have that promise, even if we're taking action on our side. This makes my heart hurt even more for mamas and dads. This makes me say, oh my gosh, that's all the more reason why we need to be so involved and so intentional because there is no guarantee. There is no guarantee that our child will be walking with the Lord as an adult once they're outside of our um, our care and guidance, right? And that's just, oh, it's just a prayer I pray all the time, Lord, that you would anchor so deeply into my children's heart 
because I know that I can't get them in, right? There's no, um, I get to bring a buddy, you know, like my, my child flies free because of my connection to Jesus, right? I know that this is an individual journey and they need to find their path. So I wanted to make that correction because I don't want to speak out of turn. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm learning and growing with y'all. So that's not a promise. All the more reason we need to be active and intentional in our child's education and um, in their walk with the Lord and making sure that they don't um, ask the wrong questions to the wrong people or the, the questions. There's no wrong question, right? We don't want them to ask their questions to the person that's going to mislead them or give them the wrong answer or not be intentional and thoughtful about their answer, right? In the very least that. So I want to make that correction. Thank you to my dear friend who brought that to my attention. Now let's dive into this Equality Act. You guys, this burdens my heart and I've, I've wanted to talk about it, but I'm just like, I can't even believe that we're walking in this, this reality. <laughs> I feel like there's so many things going on that I'm just like, what on actual earth? The enemy of our soul is at work. He is at work. I see it all over the place and people are largely unaware and our guard is down And I think most people don't know what HR5 is, or maybe they've heard of it, or they hear the Equality Act, and they're like, sounds good to me, you know. And you guys, these bills are huge and long and lengthy, and they're in legalese, and we wouldn't even understand them well if we read them. So it's it's important to kind of do our due diligence and try our best to understand these things so that we can take action when we can. And honestly, sometimes... The only action we can take is to pray (laughs) because I wish I had a better call to action for you at the end of all this, but it is to pray because he he who is within us is greater than he who is in the world. And right now we need to evoke that Holy Spirit inside us and really get on our knees and and fight in this spiritual battle because that's what we're working on right now. That's what we're facing. Okay, so let's just break it down in real simple terms. You guys, if you were to surfacely scan this Equality Act, HR5, you would see that it essentially is rewriting the civil rights law to include gender identity. Um, gender, gender identity right now has a very broad brush stroke. <laughs> it isn't very specific. As I've mentioned before, there are a lot of gender identities, much more than just the two that are biological and are declared in the Bible, right? There's a lot of genders. I can't even tell you a name them. I've seen up to, um, actually, I think there's more than 70 genders, but I think certainly in the 20s is the generally accepted amount of gender identities that we're working with right now, which is just kind of, we can see it's a slippery slope because it seems to be very undefined of what these gender identities could possibly be. Also, gender fluidity is one of them. Which means that in the morning, someone could identify as a female and in the evening, they could identify as a male or some other gender, right? That anything in between, there can be a fluidity of that identification. And because a gender identity is not something that anyone can prove or show evidence of, right? Because it is a, um, a psychological perception of oneself then it's a slippery slope when it comes to making things legal and, you know, walking into what the Equality Act is um, proposing, okay? So, like I said, it seems like a real simple thing, like, sure, yeah, we should protect people with, with different gender identities, and I'm not necessarily just standing in opposition to that fact, 
But I want to dig in a little bit deeper to show you guys what this would mean if this bill does pass the Senate, which again, the Senate is currently 50 Republicans and 50 Democrats, and Kamala Harris, our VP, would be the deciding vote. If it were to be just straight up, you know, Democrats vote for Democrats and Republicans vote for Republicans. So this is, uh, it's just a, a really crazy time to have this bill sitting in our Senate right now. So um, it essentially eliminates the legal definition of biological sex or gender. It's going to eliminate that. So again, it doesn't necessarily clarify what a gender identity is, but it does eliminate clarity around what it has been, okay? And it's going to criminalize access to gender-specific rooms. So if you have um, a locker room or a bathroom or a, a dressing room or whatever, and it's gender specific, as is the case where, you know, this is very culturally accepted in America, that's no longer going to be allowed. You're not allowed to have a bathroom or a locker room or a changing room or whatever it might be specifically for women or for men. Or if you do have that, then you're not allowed to discriminate, is the word, against a man who identifies as a woman from walking into this woman's space. I just read in the Epic Times today, as an example of where this law could take us, that California, Connecticut, and Massachusetts have already signed into law similar um, laws that, you know, cover a myriad of, of different specific scenarios involving gender identity. But in California specifically, there have been 255 inmates that have requested a transfer from a male prison, they are biological males, to a female prison, now claiming that they identify as female. If you are a criminal, a rapist, a murderer, and you are convicted and you're sent to life in prison or the death penalty, whatever that would be, you can say legally, I identify as a woman and you will be put in a women's prison. And if you are a rapist, they cannot deny you that access to a female prison if you claim to identify as a woman. This is a slippery slope. It's a problem. You guys, <laughs> we have a sin nature, right? People are, are innately bad. I know this is like not what the world tells us. The world tells us we're all innately good. People are generally good. And I think people generally try to be good as a general rule, but the Bible tells us that we have a sin nature. So we are going to do right in our own eyes. And that's not necessarily right in someone else's eyes. And it's certainly not necessarily right in God's eyes, right? Okay. So that's a big piece of this is that there will be, you will be criminally charged if you're denying access to a man who identifies as a woman and wants to enter into a locker room. So this is going to apply to schools. This is going to apply to stores. This is going to apply to sports, any number of, of things where you have specific things for girls and specific things for boys. This is going to apply to the Olympics. This is going to apply to scholarships. So let's tackle sports for a minute. I know this has been an obvious one that's been talked about a lot in the media, or at least in the media that I'm paying attention to, maybe not for you, um, that females who currently hold records 
or titles in various sporting events, now that we can allow males who identify as females, that does not change that they are biologically born as men. So they're going to have more testosterone because they are men. And we're already seeing this happen. They're, they're taking titles and records, breaking by huge strides titles and records of females who have always held those titles and records in female sports because they're they have they're faster, they're stronger, they're bigger, they're better in sports when you compare them to a woman a lot of the time. Not every time, but a lot of the time. And we're seeing that happen. It's going to affect females' ability in sports to get scholarships, right? So that's that sucks. <laughs> that's not awesome. And here's the deal. If you are a school that wants to protect you know, biological female rights in um, sports in that scenario, you would lose your tax-exempt status or your accreditation. So a lot of schools are accredited. You would lose those accreditations if you tried to protect biological females in sports. So my question is, you know, we have a lot of advocates, obviously, if this bill is on the floor of the Senate, we have advocates for um, people who identify outside of the traditional man and female identity, um, gender identity. We have advocates for them. Where are the advocates for the biological women who are going to have these these opportunities and these titles and records stripped from them unfairly? Where are the advocates for these women also, what we're seeing is sports injury to women. I read about a mixed martial arts boxer who was a biological man who's now fighting in the female version because it would just be, and we're seeing, unfair for a man and a woman to physically fight and punch and kick. My goodness, we would never, we would never allow that or stand for that if it happened in the street. And yet we're allowing it and encouraging it and making it legal to happen in a, in a ring where there's actually... Um, titles and and uh, awards and recognition at stake. But what's unfortunate is we're seeing true injury happen. And there was this mixed martial arts biological male who actually has now broken two females' skulls, broken two females' skulls by fighting in the ring with biological females because he identifies as, he identifies as a female. This is We've got to protect these gals. Equality is to um, recognize that we all have, um, we're all created equal by our, our creator, right? We are created equal. That is true. That is true. But when we try to get um, equity of results, right? So it's when we try to protect and raise up the equality of one, one group of people, it can't lower the equality of another group of people. Then that, that doesn't make it equal. <laughs> to give um, a biological male an advantage in a female world disadvantages the biological females in that world, in that same category. Hopefully that makes sense. So that's not actually equality. That's not making things equal. That's not protecting equal rights or protecting rights equally, I should say. It isn't. But here's where there's a huge disadvantage for the church, you guys, for Christians. And I looked up the statistics because I was curious. We have 0.7% of Americans between the ages of 18 and 24 identifying as transgender in any category and about 0.5% that are 65 and older that are identifying that way versus 65% of Americans currently in, um, that identify as Christians. So I got to say, first of all, 
bummer. I'm bummed that we are at 65%. That is a massive, massive drop in the last 30, 40 years. Massive drop of Christians in America. You guys, you got to take note of that. You got to recognize that there's an issue in the church to begin with. And I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. There's an issue in the church that is um, causing people to leave the church at, at large amounts, right? People and young people in particular. And I talked about that a little bit on the homeschool podcast. So we got we to gotta do a better job. And I was an atheist, you guys. I have a testimony that speaks to this because Christians, the Christian church was the last stumbling block for me of becoming a Christian. It was the thing that stood in the way between me and finding a relationship with my creator. The Christian church stood in the way for the longest. It was the hardest thing for me to get over. You guys, that is not a good thing. We are not doing it right, okay? But I'm going to circle back. I'm going to circle back. <laughs> not one here in just a second. So 0.7% um, of this young group, 18 to 24, is recognizing or um, uh, identifying as transgendered in some way versus 65% Christian. So again, to um, to boost what, we, what they would call equality in the transgender community, 0.7% of Americans, we have to stifle the rights of the 65% of Americans. You guys, that's not equality of rights. That is not equality of rights. There has to be a different, better way to do this where you don't have to take away the rights and the liberty from one group to endow another group with the, the rights and equality, okay? So why does this um, very heavily influence the church or affect the church, I should say, um, more proportionately than any other group because churches have, or Christians have a belief system that up until now has been very protected by our religious freedom, our religious liberties, which is our first amendment right to believe what we see fit to believe. And the Bible is very clear on this. The Bible is very clear on this. So because a lot of churches, either adoption agencies and most adoption agencies, you guys, are religiously affiliated, okay? Adoption agencies, homeless shelters, women's shelters, these will all now be subjected to this Equality Act. So even though it's a religious institution, they're going to lose their tax-exempt status if they don't let men into the women's shelter. If we have a battered women's shelter, right, that we're trying to protect women who are triggered, who are um, have been very abused by at the hands of men. Now we it is going to be illegal for those women to be kept separate from a biological male. Again, I don't know that it's the right thing to stifle the rights of some other group to elevate elevate the rights of another group. I don't know that this is the right way to do it, you guys. So um, again, they'll lose their tax-exempt status and they will be held criminally liable if this law passes, if they're drawing these lines in the sand, okay? Think about church camps. My daughter is nine and I'm about to send her off in a couple of months to a church camp for three nights. I'm tripping out about it. I'm not gonna lie. Already, I'm nervous about it. I'm nervous about it and I know my church and I trust all the pastors and I know the people who are going and I know and love the volunteers and I know it's going to be fine and I trust God and I know he's got her back. <laughs> but I'm nervous about it already, you guys. Now imagine if I had to be concerned about what she would be exposed to and what the church couldn't protect her from legally. 
that's going to give me as a parent pause. And I, I just got to say, I think the camps will go away. They won't necessarily be able to, to navigate that correctly, legally and safely. And so I think that those, those groups and things will go away. And maybe that's the goal. Maybe we don't want to be spreading this, you know, dirty religion into our youth, right? We don't want to give our youth the access to go to a church camp. That's, that's not what the enemy wants. I'll tell you that right now. So the answer is probably that these church camps are going to go away because they're not going to be able to navigate this, these new laws appropriately. These women's shelters, they're probably going to go away because they're not going to be able to navigate this appropriately. They're not going to be able to do it within the law. And that breaks my heart. This will apply to religious hospitals. This will apply to, apply to private schools. No more his and her locker rooms. No more his and her bathrooms. It'll also affect curriculum and how we're able to talk and teach our children. This will reach in, I promise you, to the homeschool community. You will not be allowed to teach your children what you feel is true according to your religious affiliation, your religious beliefs. The First Amendment is gone. <laughs> I mean, it's been attacked in a number of ways, but this is a brand new attack on it. This will force churches that up until this point have been protected and do not have to. They can. They're not, they don't have to perform a marriage between a man and a man or a woman and a woman because that's not what they believe is under God. They will be forced to do it. They will be forced to do it or they'll be held criminally liable or lose their tax-exempt status. It's unfortunate. Religious institutions are at a severe disadvantage if this law passes. They're going to be affected more so. It's going to be more of a negative impact. And it's going to eliminate religious freedom in the way that we understand it in this country. Now, circling back to the church is doing a really bad job because that's why we're here. We're here at this place, at this precipice, fighting from defense. We're not on the offense, guys. We're fighting from defense, and we have to think about why are we here? How did we get here? Why is it that someone like me was stumbling over Christianity, the Christian church? And I got to expand that. The Catholic church, um, the Jewish church, we're talking about the larger Um, I called it religious people, right? Because I had no idea what a a Jewish person believed versus what a Christian believed versus what a Catholic believed. As an atheist, I didn't really understand any of that world at all. So I referred to anyone who had a belief in a deity, a religious person. (laughs) And religious people at large kept me away from God for the longest because of how I, I saw them judge. They said they were about love. They said they were about compassion but they were about judgment. And my pastor put it really well this weekend that um, truth without love is judgment. Truth without love is just judgment. You guys, my last podcast was on truth and the war on truth that's happening. And I believe that that is happening. There is a war on absolute truth right now. And that does not mean that absolute truth is eliminated. It just means that it becomes hidden becomes easier to dismiss. So one, that is why more and more people are moving away from the church because you guys, the gate is narrow. The Bible tells us it is a narrow gate to heaven. 
It is through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Period. End of story. That's the gate. Got to go through him. It is a narrow gate. And if we are hiding or and attempting to eliminate absolute truth, no one sees it. No one hears it. No one gets it. No one finds their way to it. Truth is a guide. It is a light. So I was having a conversation this weekend with another Christian who was, who was arguing, and I agree, the church needs to act more compassionately towards these people that are outside of what we would say um, alignment with God's will for you know humanity. Um, and that's absolutely true. We absolutely need to be more compassionate as a church. We need to lead with love. This does not mean we don't speak truth. Please don't miss that. And as the conversation progressed with this person this weekend, I thought, you keep saying the church needs to be more compassionate. The church needs to be more compassionate. And the context in the way that you're saying it makes me feel like what you want to say is the church needs to be more accepting. I almost felt like the context she was using the word compassionate could have been swapped for the word accepting. And I felt like that's what she was getting at, but she kept sticking to the word compassionate. And I I walked away from the conversation and kind of thought about it a little bit later and thought, that's not it. Compassionate, yes. Accepting is a different word. It's a different word. Accepting is coming into alignment with the enemy's plan to walk away from and hide the truth, right? To accept someone who's walking in, let's use an example that I'm very, very familiar with, which is addiction. My father was an addict, my stepfather was an addict, and my husband has struggled with addiction also. I've walked with it my whole life, and I can tell you it is not compassionate to look the other way, to walk into the lie with that person, to walk into the deception, to look the other way, to do the enabling game. It is not compassionate to do that. It is compassionate to speak the truth with love, come into a relationship and walk alongside them through their hard time, through their addiction, through their crisis, through their um, whatever they're walking through. Compassion does not equal acceptance. Compassion does not equal denying the truth. I think one of the most compassionate things we can do is speak the truth. But speaking the truth without love is just judgment. And that is where the church has gotten real wrong. We lead a lot with the penalty of hell and the penalty of sin. We lead a lot with that. And that did not show me the light of Jesus. Let me tell you what. It didn't make me want anything to do with the Christian church. When all, every time I heard about God, I heard about how I was on a one, had a one way ticket to hell. (laughs) That is not sharing the good news. Let me promise you that did not turn my heart to search for my creator or my savior. Not at all. Now, the good news is the love of Jesus. The good news is the salvation power, the covering grace of Jesus's blood. That is the good news. That is the truth, right? So there is a um, compassion in telling someone, no, this is who you were designed to be. This is who you were designed to be. And do you know who knows better than you who you were designed to be? Your designer. Your designer knows. Again, my pastor did an excellent job of pointing to a piano and saying, this is a guitar. It makes music. It's a guitar. Of course, it's a piano. No, it's a guitar. 
No, it's a piano. No, it's a guitar. Well, we can call it a guitar. We can make it legal for that to be a guitar. We can eliminate the word piano from the dictionary. But it doesn't change the fact that that was a piano. The designer created it to be a piano. That is where the music is going to be best if you play it as a piano. <laughs> that, that's its purpose, is to be a piano. It's never going to be a guitar. It's never, it might pass as a guitar because it makes music. It might, you might be able to pass it as a guitar. But it's never going to be fully fulfilled in its purpose, bestowed upon it by its creator. You guys, there is compassion in the truth. There is light in the truth. So don't, don't slip into equality equals acceptance. Don't slip into that deception because there has got to be a better way. There has got to be a better way. And I wish I knew what it was, but it isn't to suppress the rights of others to uplift the rights of another group. It isn't that. That isn't equality. So what we got to do, guys, is we got to get active. We got to make sure that our senators know where we stand, especially, as I mentioned before, if you are in a state that is led by Democratic senators. Make your voices heard because they represent both you and their Democratic constituents. They represent both of you. And if you are a Democrat and you're hearing this and you think that this isn't about equality and that you wonder if this is an overreach, if this is going too far, if this is not, um, if this is pushing down one group or, or unfairly disadvantaging one group, to raise up another group, then there's a better way. Make your voices heard. Write to your senator. And if you guys, if you're like me and you don't affiliate necessarily with um, Republican or Democrat, I'm a libertarian, as I've said before, now's the time to get involved. I know it's been really easy for me to not be involved <laughs> to all these years up till now, to um, kind of be able to point fingers at both sides of the aisle and say you're both silly. And in so many ways, that's the truth. But I have to stand up for certain values. I have to align um, with certain groups on certain issues. And this is one of the issues that I have to push back against. So if you're an independent, you are not, um, you're not getting a free pass. You still got to participate. So that's your call to action, guys. I hope this was useful. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us navigate this conversation well, Lord. Please humble our hearts to know you and hear you better, discern your voice in this time, Lord, so that we would know what is from you. What are you asking us to do? What are you trying to tell your people, Lord? And I just pray that the Holy Spirit would be stirred inside each of us and give us that um, call to action, that movement. Lord, I just pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. I just pray for a realignment with your will, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.